Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 438 for the 12th of Shvat in a regular year. So the latest online craze, if you guys have been following along, is this phenomenon called ChatGPT. It's a website that anybody can access that is really revolutionizing. It has the potential to revolutionize the way that we access information, the way that we compose information, in fact, and deliver information to other people and communicate information. So it's what is this chat GPT? So it's an AI based program that you can sort of think of as Google on steroids in a way. So how does it work is basically that you go to this site that right now is open to the public, it's totally free, and you put in prompts into the little chat box. Uh, and you can literally put in like just about anything into these chat box. So I uh, I experimented with this myself. I put in, uh, you know, tell me a joke. And they and and the chat box replied with a with a really short phrase. Why was the math book sad? Because it had too many problems. So, haha, you know, silly dad joke, maybe. But uh, but yeah, it came back with a joke. Um, another thing that I did now a little bit more sophisticated is I wrote, I said, write an article for me on the lifestyle of the people of Iceland. And it came back literally in a few seconds with eight entire article, not a list of links that you would find if you were to put in the same thing into Google, but an actual article that looks as if it was written by a human being with a lot of comprehensive, really detailed information. Uh, So this is really wild if you think about this and if you think about the implications of you know, this chat GPT, it's, it's a, this technology is still in its really early stages, but it has the potential to compose full novels, um, pictures, to paint pictures, to compose music, um, to make movies, all kinds of things like that. So it's really quite astounding what this technology is capable of. And a lot of people are kind of scared of where it could go, but I, I find it just really, really fascinating. Um, I was listening to a podcast with Tim Ferriss discussing this whole idea with his friend Kevin Rose. And Tim Ferriss was saying that the thing that's going to happen, that what he envisions is going to happen in the future, in the not so distant future, is we're actually going to have like little like symbols on books at some point, like a sort of certification to tell us that this book was human generated instead of generated by AI. That's where he thinks that it's going. And now that brings me to the point that I want to get to in today's episode is that as amazing as this technology might be, where it can actually, you know, write novels for us, uh, give us information, articles, all kinds of things like that. We all recognize that there's something missing in these things. It's not the same thing. Like, how would you feel if you read this really intense uh, thriller novel that was composed by AI? Like it might be kind of cool, right? But um, there's something to be said about 
you know, reading a novel, I just finished a novel over Shabbos and it was, it was very sad. It had a lot of intensity and everything like that. And, you know, you always like, I know I always find after reading this, the novel, I go and I look at the, about the author section. I want to read more about the author and you kind of see how the author is putting themselves into this book. So whenever you read a book that's written by a human being, it's, it's sort of like a way of connecting with the author in a very intimate way, which is the one element that's being lost in this chat GPDs. So it's, yeah, so it's, it's not, you know, it's like, what are we connecting with? We're connecting with a computer, right? It's a little strange. And so as helpful and as informative, and I'm sure it's going to bring to you a lot of really amazing uh, innovations, um, there, we all do recognize that there's something that's missing there. On the other hand, we know that this a, these AI um, technologies, this chat GPT is actually extremely dependent upon humans. And there is an element of human creativity involved. And there always will be because where is where is this chat drawing its information from? It's drawing its information from other articles, from other sources out there that were generated by humans. Right. So Tim Ferriss says he goes on to say that he thinks that in the future, once we start to become more familiar with this, this technology and it becomes more prevalent, the human element of creativity is going to be in such in picking the prompts in, in what what specific prompts that a person uses, that will be the authorship. And then it's like, OK, the chat GPT is sort of like just like fast forwarding, speeding up the process. Um to bring this collective consciousness sort of into um, into this precise uh, order that the person who wrote out the prompts is giving it. So where does this bring us all and why am I bringing this up on a Tanya podcast? Because today we're actually going to talk about this in relation to God and in relation to God's authorship. So just like I was mentioning that when I read a novel and I'm, I'm I would imagine that a lot of you have the same experience that when you read a novel and you really connect with the novel a lot, you want to know more about the author and you get the sense that you're actually connecting with the author in a very deep level. It's actually the same thing when it comes to God and God's book, which is the Torah. That when we study Torah, we're connecting with God on a very intimate level that is unlike anything else. So yesterday's episode, we talked about the idea of doing mitzvahs, which we all know doing mitzvahs is amazing. It's in many ways, it's actually superior to learning Torah. And this is something that the ultra rabbit will get into at another time. But for now, you know, and this is the tricky thing about learning chassidus because it's like, you know, every time we learn a chassidus, whatever it is that we're focusing on at the time is like, this is the ultimate, this is the pinnacle, this is everything, you know, all of that. But then you go on and the next day you learn something else and it's like, no, this is the pinnacle, this is the ultimate. So it really, the, the um, focus does shift and it's not, a linear uh, type of system in that way, um, where it really just depends on your vantage point and what you're looking at. So right now, what we're focusing on, and we're going to be focusing on today, is really the value of Torah and the value of Torah study specifically, and how it is ultimately, there is something about it that supersedes everything else, even the performance of the mitzvahs. Why? Because when you perform the mitzvahs, you are uh, bringing God's will into actuality, which is really great. And, you know, that is the ultimate purpose. So there is, again, something that is, that's, that's the ultimate of everything. That's the ultimate purpose. But in terms of when we're focusing on our connection with God, then that connection with God in a certain sense is actually stronger when we actually learn the Torah, when we actually learn the laws of the Torah. So like one way to think about this is like, imagine that you were working for an architect who had this amazing idea idea for a, a building, a very amazing building. And so there are two different types of jobs, generally speaking, that 
uh, person can be involved with in working for this architect. One could be the um, the a builder, you know, somebody involved in more of the physical labor of the building. And then another person could be more involved in like more of the theory and like looking at the blueprints that the architect is using to build this building. So while both are very important, and one could argue again that the, the builder, the people involved with building the building are actually more essential because without them, there is no building. On the other hand, the people who are actually looking and examining the blueprint and involved in the thought process of this architect are much more intimately connected to the architect in a different kind of way, in a much more intimate kind of way. So in terms of Hasidus and the way that we can kind of understand this on a more technical Hasidus level is if we go back to looking at the different garments of the soul. So if you recall, there are three main garments of the soul. There's the garments of thought, speech, and action. So when we talk about performing the mitzvahs, that's really in the realm of action. There's a little bit of speech involved also because there's, you know, there is a mitzvah to speak words of Torah out loud and that kind of thing. So it's sort of like speech that's connection to action. Speech is a funny one because it's sort of like in between thought and action. It's an action, but it's, it's very intimately connected to thought in a way that action is not as much. Um, and, And so yeah, and so so when we're talking about learning Torah, we're not so much f- focusing on the action part, the action uh, garment, but we're actually focusing on the other two. We're focusing on the thought and the speech garments. And so th- from here, I think I would like to springboard into the actual text and see how the altar is going to explain this. And for context, we're in the middle of chapter 23 of Lukutei Amram. And so the altar here begins with a big a, a bang here where he tells us that when it comes comes to learning Torah. So what's involved in learning Torah? There's the thought of learning Torah, right? Like right now we're engaged in this. We're thinking about Torah in our mind. And I am speaking these words of Torah right now. And maybe when you're learning it, you're going to go tell it to your friend. So that's also going to be a type of speak, speeching of learning Torah. So these are, these are the two internal garments they're called. So the external garments is the garment of action. The internal garments are the garments of thought and the garments of speech of the godly soul. These are the garments of the godly soul. And also the godly soul itself, all of these things are all unified in that moment with utter, you know, with total unity, complete unity with the supernal will of God. And this is in contrast to how we described the action garment, which when we talked about the action garment, when we talked about it yesterday, and we talked about the body, we said that that's like serving as a chariot for God. Right? We talked about how the Avos, the forefathers, were chariots for God. And this is because all of their actions, their entire bodies, were totally surrendered to God. So that's a very amazing and beautiful level for sure. But being a chariot for God, there's the chariot and then there's God. It's two different things. Versus what we're talking about here is that when we're involved in Torah study, when we're involved in thinking about Torah or speaking words of Torah, uh, then are these garments of thought and speech and our actual godly soul, which is wearing these ga- garments, are actually unified with the will of God, of God itself, himself, his actual will, his supernal will. Um, because, why is this? Because God's supernal will, what is God's supernal will? This is the actual halacha. This is the actual um, law that the person is learning. And all of the different aspects of the law that they, that, a person learns. So if a person learns about the detailed laws of different intricate, like what you can do on Shabbos, what you can't do on Shabbos or whatever, you're, you're literally learning God's will. Uh, because this, because it arose in God's will that this thing is permitted. This thing is not permitted. This is kosher. This is not kosher. 
all those kind of things. That's it's like you're literally looking at the blueprint that God wrote up as to what it is that He wants. And this isn't just the case, by the way, with when it comes to halacha, when it comes to learning about Jewish law, because we see that a lot of Torah isn't necessarily Jewish law. A lot of it is just you know we're learning about the stories, what happened to us, and uh, how we became a nation, everything. We learn Chumash, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim, all that stuff. All of those letters that make up the Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, these are all expressions of God's will and God's wisdom. And and we know something that we've learned already that God's will and wisdom is totally unified with him. We can't separate the two. As the Rambam explained that he is the knowledge, the knower, and the known. That it's, you know, it's all, they're all bound up one with the one within one another and this is the idea this is the contrast between the torah and the mitzvahs so again they both play a very essential role very important but the contrast is that when we talk about mitzvahs we call them evarin demalka the organs of the king or the limbs of the king um but when we talk about torah we say that that the Torah and God are absolutely one. So it's different. It's not like the organs, God and his organs or God and his limbs. It's God. It's, it's, it is one with God. It's totally, you can't separate the two. So now when we think about this, then uh, what, then we can come to understand that when a person is learning Torah, then this means that they're, as we explained, they're being, they're unifying with, uh, with the supernal will of God. Uh, in a totally revealed fashion, it's not with any concealment at all. It's not like, you know, oh, it's Hashkacha Pratis. You know, it's like everything in the world is God's will. So it's like you walk down the street, you're connecting with God's will. You eat an apple, you're connecting with God's will. But it's not in as direct a way as when you are actually engaged actively in studying Torah and studying God's will in a very, you know, intimate way. We can think of this sort of as like, let's say if you if there's an author, you know, we were talking about authors before and they're writing books and everything. So it's one thing you read a different novel, all kinds of novels written by different authors. But imagine if you're actually reading reading like a manifesto of like a, a, an activist, you know, and they left this manifesto to you. Uh, you're reading this manifesto. You're connecting with their will. This is literally what they wanted. They're explicitly saying what they wanted. This is... Um, this is a very deep connection that you're having with this person. And the ultra bit is going on here to say that not only is it just you're connecting with God's will in this sense, but because we've learned that God's will and himself are one in the same, that they're totally unified, you're actually connecting with God in a very intimate way and in a very revealed way. Um, and that at that moment, when you're involved in Torah study, then your actual godly soul and the garments that we've discussed your your thought garments of thought and your garments of speech are totally unified with god with utmost unity um just in the same way to the extent like how do we understand this unity is like if you recall a few episodes ago we talked about this idea about how it is that god's speech and god's thought are totally unified with him you know so it's unlike our speech which our speech is like there's us and then there's our speech for god god's speech and god's thought is, is there's a much more intimate uh, connection connection with him they it, they never get divided from him um, and so when we learn god's wisdom and will we connect with god in the same way so we become just like um just like god's speech and thought become unified with with god we take on that role as well of being unified with god in in that same type of unity where it becomes such that there is nothing aside from god it's God is the only true reality, uh, and the and the only the only thing is that God's um, face is is um, is concealed, right? Because we don't experience it as such. Like we're learning Torah and everything, we still feel ourselves to be 
our own existence, but that's just our perception. But this is the ultra is telling us what's actually happening on this very deep level. And not only this, to emphasize just how strong this unity is with God, that the ultra says that this is actually a type of unity that is not found anywhere in the higher realms. Because where do the higher realms, the higher worlds receive their vitality from? They receive their vitality from the Torah, which is God's will and wisdom. Uh, as it's stated in the ultra brings a citation from Tehillim, chapter 104, verse 24, Kulam bechokma asita that Hashem, you made them all with your chokmah. So meaning to say that everything, all the worlds, the higher worlds, the lower worlds are all created through Hashem's chokmah. What is Hashem's chokmah? Hashem's chokmah is the Torah, which means that when we study Torah, then we're connecting with God's will and meaning, again, that we're connecting with God himself in a way and and, and we're unifying our, our garments of thought and speech and our actual soul are unifying with God in a way that is inaccessible to the higher worlds that are not learning Torah in the way that we are here. And so the bottom line, really, what the Altar says is that God's Chachmah, God's wisdom, is over and above everything else, which is God's Torah. God's Chachmah is God's Torah. And this is also God's will. We can say his Chachmah, and you can also say his will. And this brings us to another point, which is this idea that God's will is called Sovev Kalamin, surrounds all the world, which is this idea that it can't actually become uh, invested within the worlds. It just like, it just, um, it just vivifies them from above in a way that's surrounding and encompassing him. And so this surrounding will that's so high that it can't actually be enclosed in the worlds below it, it, this this supernal, supernal high will becomes vested within the soul and within the um, within the garments of the soul in a way that is totally revealed when we study Torah. So this is all just to teach us just the really amazing phenomenon that happens, how unified we become with God when we study Torah. And now the question, this is the conclusion the ultra brings to us. You might be thinking to yourself like, oh, wow, but I don't feel this, right? So um, that's true. The Gemara actually says that in Megillah. Uh, page 3a that even if you don't see it like you you're not experiencing this on a conscious level it's good to know that this is happening and the reason why we don't see, we don't see it is because we wouldn't be able to handle it like if we actually um were experienced in a conscious way what was happening to us when we learned torah we just we wouldn't be able to handle it at all you know <laughs> then we wouldn't be learning torah to defeat the purpose so god made this like kind of miracle happen that even though this intense unity is happening to us and it's important for us to know this, uh, we don't actually realize it. We're not fully conscious of it, which is not the case in the higher worlds where they are much more conscious of God and there's like a much higher consciousness of God, uh, but they're not experiencing the same intimacy with God. So that's the the end of the section for today. And we will continue along these lines tomorrow. So stay tuned and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.